This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The editor-in-chief of the very athletic Bay Area, Tim Kawakami. Kawakami, who has covered the NBA for over two decades. It's time now for the TK Show on the Athletic Podcast Network. Everybody, Tim Kawakami here, TK Show, recording from the home studio as always. Great to have on a frequent guest, great guy, somebody everyone remembers and everybody knows from the beginning of the Warriors dynasty. That's uh, live from Australia. It's Andrew Bogut. Bogues, how are you doing today? Good to have you on. Doing well. How's things? Going pretty well. We got this uh, NBA season starting very early and very, uh, there's a lot of things going on. But I think we talked to you, last time I talked to you was probably start of the playoffs last season, maybe end of the regular season as it was looking good for the Warriors. But Andrew, as somebody who was there before the start of this with Steph and Draymond and Clay as they kind of were just figuring it out, wins the first title. You were there on the 73 win team in 16. And then came back uh, in 19, which was fun for everybody. Just as you saw, the, like pretty those three guys, Steph, Draymond, and Clay, win this championship. I think we all all saw how it, much it meant to them. Did you kind of feel some of that? Like they're winning it again. That, that there was some kind of resonance to that. Did you feel that too? Yeah, I just, I just think it, it, you could see it meant more because they were supposed to win it. Um, I think the the first one probably for a lot of those guys, was as important as the fourth one, I think. Like as far as in their level of importance, I think the, the second and third are still championships, but they were expected to to win it and easily, right? You KD with that squad, it's not like the end of that season. You're like, wow, the Warriors won the championship. Can you believe that? It's like, no, they were meant to do that. Whereas I think in year one and, and the fourth one, um, a lot of people had the Warriors completely written off. I mean, they had a bad year the year before, but I knew like Clay's going to be semi-healthy. Steph was a bit banged up in that year. Draymond didn't play that well. I knew they'd take an off season and come back and be back in the mix. But look, I'm, I'm not going to lie. I didn't, I didn't think they'd win a championship again that quickly. I thought they'd be in the mix. I thought conference finals potentially, you know, and and they did it. So I know, I know to a lot of those guys, this one is probably might even be number one for a few of them. So very, very interesting. Is it a little amazing to you to know that you started with them, you know, to, to, to what, 2011, 2011 is when you, I can't even remember. Well, yeah. 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 2012. And to see Steph, Draymond and Clay do it at this point in their careers. I mean, we all knew they were, could play well for a long time. They were young back then, but it's any point or even just seeing Steph, do what he did in game four? Is there something saying, man, they are doing this for a long time? Yeah, longevity is obviously the making of a Hall of Fame career. So, um, you know, Stephen Clay, especially to be able to stay together, to be able to, you know, a lot of credit goes to Clay as well to be happy to be that second option. Um, you know, he could arguably go 
at least pre-injury to most teams in the NBA and be the number one option. Um, he is okay with that. And that's, you look historically in the NBA, you look back to like the Dallas Mavs or when they had the Triple Js, you look back to numerous different young lineups that have three good options, Oklahoma City with Harden off the bench, you know. Eventually it comes to a point where a guy is unhappy and like, I want to see if I can lead a team myself. And Clay has never been that guy vocally and never been one to chase that, which is important. You know, they, they struck gold with getting Clay in that squad. I don't think they knew that drafting him, mm-hmm. but to have a second superstar that doesn't care. Um, and then on top of that, bringing KD and he goes to the third slot probably where he buys into that and he's just happy, go lucky. I'm happy to be here. I'm happy to play hard. I'm going to get my shots up when I'm open or even half open and let the chips fall where they may. So the Warriors found a bit of luck having two superstars. And you can say the same about Steph bringing KD in that, you know, understand winning trumps everything else and they don't take themselves too seriously. We've talked about, I think I've talked about with you about this two timeline situation, very rare, as they said, like you have the set dynasty guys who've won multiple championships and yet you have this whole set of young players, lottery picks, Include, and then you add Jordan Poole to that, who are like knocking on the door, who want playing time. Jordan Poole is obviously getting playing time. There's roster spots. There's rotation spots. I don't know if you have, have you ever seen anything like that, Andrew? And, and can you sense there would be something, you know, they have to kind of readjust things. It's a little bit of a transition year this year. Yeah, it's interesting that they can still be, have the old guard um, and still develop young. Like we saw the Spurs when, when all their guys retired, we see where they're at now, right? They've, they've been in a pretty, pretty bad, not bad situation, but they haven't been successful since that their, their big dogs have retired. Um, I think if, you know, come next season, you know, let's say hypothetically that maybe Clay retired or, or Draymond or Steph, they'd still be sustainable, right? They've still got a lot of young pieces that can continue on, which you don't see very often. Um, and the Spurs are a prime example. They had a couple of young pieces, but not enough to be a playoff team or competitive playoff team once, you know, Tim Duncan, Parker, Ginobili retired. So it is interesting that they've got that mix and they're paying for it. They're paying for it with the luxury tax. You know, I spoke about it on my podcast, I think last week, I think their, their tax bill I forgot what two teams it was, but their tax bill is more than two teams combined um, salaries. Regular salary, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, it's it's crazy. like well, so, so somewhat they look. They're somewhat punished by it too. Like people think that oh, you know, the Warriors are just going out there and spending money and buying championships. Well, they're really not because a lot of these players they have to pay out players that have been there a long time. And that, you know, Steph, Clay, Draymond predominantly, they've been there a while. They have to pay them. They develop them. They brought in Wiggins kind of when he was being passed around and no one really wanted him as a max guy. They, they bet on him, so they're going to pay him. Uh, they got him, his game back up to where it should be and Jordan Poole's a part of their development program. So they're somewhat punished by that success, which is unfortunate to an extent, but you understand why the NBA does it. But this isn't a case where they just went and signed you know, Miami Heat, like we're going to get Bosch, we're going to get LeBron, we're going to get put him with Wayne, we're going to get a few more role players and we're over the cap, so be it. This is a case where they're, they're somewhat, you know, punished by their own their own success. This is the Rogue Bogues podcast, by the way. I mean, I said the Rogue Bogues podcast, listen to it. It's Andrew Bogut speaking interesting things. Uh, Andrew, obviously, at least, uh, you know, y- you heard saw the news and, and you know, the, the Draymond punching Jordan Poole right before the season started. Um 
I, I mean, I'm not going to ask you like to reveal anything, but is this a commonplace NBA situation or was this something when you saw it in the video coming out actually made it way worse. And that's different than a lot of others. But when you saw it or heard about it, did you think, wow, this is pretty bad? Yeah, the end of what you said was the kicker, um, the video, but we'll get to that in a second. But people that have said, you know, this I've seen a lot of uh, guys on ESPN, the usual talking heads and former players, like, this is normal, this is the NBA, it's a man's league. Bullshit. <laughs> this does not happen very often. Um, and I can tell you, I've had two, I've been, in my career of 14 years in the NBA and numerous teams, I've seen two punches thrown at practice and both of them missed. And both of them got broken up very quickly. Usually the most you're going to get with an NBA scuffle is a bit of a push and shove, maybe a face shove. And then by the time that happens, everyone's ran and broken up. So I don't buy into this, that this is normal because it doesn't, it does not happen um, enough for it to, to determine it normal, in my opinion. Now there's a couple of old vets that said, you know, 80s, 70s, 80s, different story, you know, but from my era, you know, mid 2000s to when I retired, I ever really saw it. I think, yeah, 80s, 90s, you might have an argument, but it doesn't excuse, you know, what Draymond did. I think everyone knows what he did was wrong. And it's just, I think once that video came out, it, it, it just, it, it made, it somewhat made the Warriors look, you know, like what's going on? Like, why, how do you not, how do you not suspend someone um, after that video leak? Before the video leak, there was a lot of unknowns. Was it a proper punch? Was it a swing? Did he clip him? But you see the video and you see the knees buckle on Jordan Poole, that's tough. Um, I'm not sure if that relationship will ever be the same. I don't, I don't know Jordan Poole. I didn't cross over with him, so I don't know his personality. But I, all I know is that I think that relationship definitely will be hindered because the video was released. So before the video is released, different story. But now that your friends and your family and everyone in the free world has seen your knees buckle, that's pretty hard to come back from. But look, the Warriors look like they've, they've moved on from it. There's one team that can get over these kind of things with the drama they've had over the last three or four years with, with KD and Draymond and, and all that kind of stuff. It is them, but I I don't anticipate, you know, Jordan Poole and Draymond Green hanging out on the road too much. You play with Draymond. Uh, you played great with Draymond and, and in many ways had the same kind of defensive mentality. Uh, and you were not, you know, going to mess around with people. You're a very physical player. But seeing that, knowing that about Draymond, do, do you feel feel differently about him? Do you think his teammates might feel differently about him? I can only judge Draymond about how he acts towards me and and how I've interacted with him and I've got no issue there. Um, I think, you know, everyone makes mistakes. You know, I think he just got to own the mistake and move on. Um, I don't think differently of him as far as our relationship. Um, but, you know, he, it's something he's got to grow from. He said that he's got some, some stuff going on. Uh, off the floor that, that's messing with his brain and that, that's not an excuse but he needs to figure it out and make sure it doesn't happen again and I think look he's going into free agency you know um, potentially you know he's got a player option and I think you know if he does go to free agency and, and doesn't doesn't opt into that deal or even if he opts in and then becomes unrestricted if you're a young team that maybe had Draymond on your shortlist I mean maybe that with that with this video leaking you're probably second guessing that now like you know because he would be a you know, open free market, even if you're a young upcoming team, let's say OKC in another year or two should be scratching the surface of a playing playoffs. Um, Detroit, the same. You'd bring in a guy like Draymond because he's a, a win-first mentality, tough, gritty, and you're like, hey, he can help mentor our young guys. There might be some teams now thinking, 
the mentoring thing, you know, after a punch of a young fella, it could put a mark on his name. So I think it could dry out, not dry out, but it could limit his free agency. So that's a consequence that he's just going to have to live with. But you hope, you, you know, he's still a winner at the end of the day and he's, he's he's been part of some great championship runs, but I think it's a mistake that he wishes he could he would definitely take back. One thing that some NBA guy, veterans have said, ex-NBA players, I should say, is that it's the big guy hitting the little guy is a problem. Uh, you don't go after littler guys if you're uh, you know if you're a big six foot six six foot eight or whatever uh do you sense that too do you feel that yeah, maybe a little bit i don't buy too much into that I, I just watching the video it was clear that jordan didn't expect the punch to be thrown i think that's more the issue here than the big little thing i think it's like i said you know 999 out of a thousand fights in the nba uh end at those two pushes that we saw or you know where, where he's in his face, he pushes him, guys run in, it's done. So no one's even got their guard up. Like Jordan wasn't, didn't have his guard up ready to, to take a punch. And I think that's probably more the issue than than big or little. Um, but, you know, it is a young guy on the team. You know, Draymond is supposed to have that veteran uh, veteran mentality and responsibility of of blooding those young guys and teaching them how to be a professional. And, I mean, the, the thing with the Warriors now is, like, you know, I'm playing devil's advocate – if Kaminga bops Moody, you know, Kaminga punches Moody in the face tomorrow, that he can't get suspended now, right? Mm-hmm. So that's, you know, I don't think they have any of those wild guys on the team, but if you had another wild guy like Draymond on that team um, who's kind of emotional and whatever and does something silly, then he's going to say, well, you, you've set the precedence of what the penalty is. I'll just take a couple of days off at home. I'll miss a few practices and you can't suspend me or fire me, right? So... That's where it gets a little bit interesting. But I think, like I said at the start, I think there's one team that can handle all this kind of circus. It is the Golden State Warriors. You were in 2016, there was just all this, you know, sense that they were going to arrange to get cap space to sign Kevin Durant. We all knew it. Uh, didn't know exactly, how, but, you know, Harrison Barnes's, you know, contract was very similar. Like he was up and they weren't maybe not going to resign him because you need that space. You were part of the trade to create space. You probably knew that you, you guys are smart guys. You guys, I'm sure you knew what could happen. Was there an inherent thing on your mind? You know, was it a tension? Like, okay, you win 73 games. Well, you know, I'm not saying it was a problem, but is that something that, that hits you? Like, okay, I might be on temporary ground here. Yeah, I kind of felt it mid-season, to be honest with you. Um, I heard some rumblings through some people that I trust that it was on the books around December, january It was already, there was some talks. So I kind of figured this, this could be my last year here because I'm going to be the old man out contract-wise. And, and look, for the record, I'd make the same trade. I'd trade myself to clear cap space for Kevin Durant. Anyone would, right? Like it's it's a no-brainer move and it got him an extra two championships at rel- with relative ease. Um, but I guess it was just disappointing that in the midst of one of the greatest seasons in NBA history that that was kind of already being talked about. Um, but that's that's the business. Like, you can't cry over spilt milk. You, you know, we, we know what we sign up for in this league. Um, when people say that players aren't loyal, teams do exactly the same thing. So that, that's just a part of the business. So I understood that. I was a little bit disappointed just because who wouldn't be disappointed? I was in the greatest organization in the NBA at the time, winning 73 games at chance to be part of a dynasty and then you got moved out just because of the salary situation. That's a uncontrollable on my end. I was the odd man out. Harrison Barnes was also the odd man out. We were the two salaries that kind of got moved and um, well, they didn't sign Harrison to free that salary up. And, and that's just, like I said, you do that every day of the week, you come around. But I think 
the the way the way it works in the NBA is there's a discussion to start way before free agency. So it was in the midst of us trying to, you know, break an NBA record and win another championship. Um, it would be interesting to see what you know, what the messaging would have been like if we went to Pete, you know, like if we win that champ. I think it was made easier for the ownership group and the GM to make that move like real easily because of the loss in the finals, right? If you go, if you go to, you know, to, to Pete, a lot of people would have been like, bring the same squad back, you know, it'd be the most common sense thing to do. So, but look, it all worked out for the Warriors. They got more longevity out and, and I don't think they change, they change a thing considering they got four chips in what, seven or eight years. It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. If you win that, I don't think Durant would have signed anyway, right? He didn't want to join a champion. He wanted to be the guy who helps you get a championship. Who, Who knows? We don't know. A lot of different things were going on. Well, just the fact that we just beat them three one. Yes. Well, three one, and we come back and beat them, and then um, KD joined the Warriors. I mean, no. that's interesting. So, <laughs> yes, you know. it was. Yes, it was. I want to ask you about uh, James Wiseman. You know, number two overall pick a couple years ago. Uh, rookie season was rocky. Gets hurt, then does not come back at all for last season. So he's not part of that championship season at all, other than his presence and you know, he was around learning. Um, what he, I think he's looked pretty good in the first few games this season. I don't know how much you've seen. I'm sure you're watching some. What, what, what do you think about Wiseman? What do you think about where his game's headed? It's an interesting one. Uh, look, I think athleticism, um, raw talent from a body standpoint, he's he's up there. You know, very, very athletic. Can get get in the lane at ease, put the ball on the floor. Um, you know, good rim protector, but I think his feel for the game in that Warriors system is still not where it needs to be to be to, to play consistent minutes that count, right? They're, they're going to try to get in minutes and develop him. That's a tough thing. You're on a winning team. I've said this so many times. If he goes, if he goes the number two pick to Washington or you know Orlando, he's playing 35 minutes and he's being allowed to play through mistakes. He's, he's being allowed to go five for 20 from the field one night and they're going to go back to him the next night. He's in a situation where they're competing for a championship. They they can't afford to play him that many minutes. And I think his feels the biggest thing that he's just going to pick up. And that's that's just going to be watching Draymond and watching Looney. And like if you compare Looney and this is no disrespect to Looney, but if you compare Looney and Wiseman, you know, toe-to-toe athletically attributes, you'd say Wiseman's, you know, probably more athletic and a, a better player overall. But Looney just fits with the, that starting unit because he accepts his role and he's happy with that role. Whereas Wiseman's a young up and coming player and thinks, oh, I can do more than this. I can show more than this. So um, the feel for the game thing is an interesting one to see if you can pick that up. That's not easily taught. You know, some people say you either have it or you don't, and that's true to an extent. 
but you can pick up a lot by watching a lot of film and just watching guys and mimicking what they do. That's that's the only way he's going to pick it up. And um, you know, his athleticism alone, he'll be in the league for a long time. But it's a matter of can he be a consistent contributor for a championship team? At this point, no. Um, I think he's still a bit young, but I think you know he's got a chance. It just comes out of that field. You mentioned this a couple of years ago, I think, how, how hard it is to play center in this. It's just different, right? The Warriors play a different, and it especially affects the center. And I think some of the things they were like, they're trying to have Wiseman play the Bogut, you know, David West, high post, sea cutters, feel the floor, there's Steph going there, Steph going over there. And Wiseman was just not able to do that. Uh, do you see them changing a little bit? And what is what is so hard about it for a center to be just plopped into the middle of this kind of motion, constant, you know, action Warriors offense? Well, it's changed a little bit today because you see more centers can pass the ball. But generally, in the NBA centers were not looked upon as like a skilled position that you kind of run your offense through. It was kind of like the point guard gets you the ball and you dunk it. <laughs> or you throw it on the post and you make a post move. It wasn't really... We're going to run it to you and then we're going to run split cuts. And so I had that skill set. That was my number one skill set was passing the ball. So I think for a lot of centers, it's like, well, this isn't really my skill set. I'm used to just being on the block and rebounding and setting screens and rolling. So you put a guy like Wiseman up there and then, you know, a lot of that stuff out of the split action might be a back card. It might be a, you know, someone slips. It might be, you know, his player, Steph's player guarding him goes under they're read and react moments that are a millisecond. And if you're late on those, you're not gonna, you're not gonna get a, an easy layout for your teammate. So it came down to just knowing the offense, knowing how to make that play, being confident with it. And that's something he won't like, you're not gonna pick that up in years and years and years of basketball. It's gonna be a long, long time. So that's where I think the center position is a bit different because most centers are usually usually used to being on the block and being in the basket. They, you know, the Warriors will pull you out and make you set a lot of screens and, and read and react from that. So for a young player, um, Wiseman, you know, like I said, if he goes to a worse team, he's probably in his bag and getting. He's probably putting up fifteen and ten a night, right? He's on a situation in a situation where they're asking him to play a role, which might be he might think it's offensive. Like he might think, "I'm offended that you just want me to be a screen roller because I can do more than this." And that's that's a good thing in a way because a young as a young up and coming player, you want to have that mentality. But I can do more. I can do more. But when you're on a championship team, if you have that mentality, you're going to be on the end of the bench. You're not going to get into the game. So it's kind of – it's a push-pull type thing with Wideman, I think. And he um, – like, he's got all the tools. It's just that feel and just – he's just going to have to accept that, look, on the Warriors, for at least the next couple of years, you're not going to be a bulk minute, bulk touches guy. It's just not going to happen no matter how how much you try. So you need to – I mean, my goal, if I, if I was – Right now, he's big man coach. I would say I need 10 rebounds and two block shots from you again. That's what you concentrate on. Everything else that happens, um, regardless of that, if you score 10, fantastic bonus. If you get four assists, fantastic bonus. Get in, give me 10 rebounds, two block shots, be a defensive menace, foul people three or four times hard so they don't come in the paint. That would be what I'd be telling him. Once he earns that trust that he's accepting of that, he'll play more minutes. But if it's a matter of like, I'm not getting touches. I don't feel involved. I can do more than this. He's just you'll end up not playing in big games. How different is it to be, uh, you know, kind of high post, mid post center with Steph Curry? Like, how how hard was you to adjust? Like, this isn't what other guys do. Just the way he's zipping around. Did it take you a year or, or two to just to get a sense of what he was going to be doing out there instinctually? No, I, I, without sounding arrogant, I, 
my basketball IQ, I think, is my biggest asset. And within a week of playing with him, I knew, you know, this guy's going to get me so many open looks and he's going to get – I'll get him so many open looks because I understand the angles of, of screening and, you know, teams get so scared about him running to the three. He's, I hit him on at least one or two back cuts for layups a game. So I understood all that and, and, and yeah, it didn't take me long to figure it out. I mean, the thing with Steph is when you're in the center spot um, and you're in the high post, they're the easiest assists you're ever going to get because mm-hmm. you just throw it to him on the three and he shoots a logo three and you get an assist for it these days. <laughs> so <laughs> I've always enjoyed doing that. For, you, can, you can pad your stats a little bit with and, and Clay to that extent. You know, Clay's guy could be locking a trail in his face and he's six, seven, he just rises up and shoots it over him and you get an assist for it. Um, it definitely looks good in the stat sheet. I've asked you your memories about a lot of different things, but just generally, like from your years at the beginning of this dynasty, like what thing stands out? What, what's a memory? There's, you know, there's all kinds of offense explosions, huge games, championship moments. Like what, what are you going to remember? What do you remember the most when someone says, hey, what was that time really like? Um, I guess just my, my best, the best moment was coming to the Warriors when it was in the dumps, yeah. uh, where it was just a franchise that was a revolving door. No one wanted to be there. Anyone that got there via trade wanted to get out. It was disorganized. It, it was. It just wasn't. It wasn't a professionally run kind of organization. It just wasn't. It might be harsh for people to hear that, but it you know it just wasn't what it should have been. And I think being part of a club that was really bad to being part of those steps to winning a championship is the most fulfilling thing that you can be part of as an athlete. Um, I think it's more like 10 times more fulfilling than just being part of a stacked team, right? Like, you know, that second run that I came, the Warriors, who would have won a chip, I still put that first one 10 times higher than that one, right? Because you're joining a team that's probably a favourite anyway or you assembled a team a la the Heat, the Heatles back in the day or, you know, what Brooklyn was trying to do with all those names. When you do it, from the draft and from a few small tweaks in free agency and a few smart trades. And you get to that next year, we go to the second round. The following year, we go back and we, we exit in the first round. And then we come out winning championship. Like it was just just an amazing feeling to go from a team that was a relative unknown, um, always had a good fan base, but no one in the league really took notice of or cared about wins, losses wise to, to win a championship. And now 10 years later, still talking about that dynasty. Um, it's probably my most fondest memory. When you got traded, were you like, I got to get out of here? I mean, even for a moment, were you thinking that? No, no. So I was, look, I was, I was in Milwaukee for seven or eight years and um, we were kind of in the, we were, we were a little bit better than Golden State, but we were always between a six seed and a 12. We're in that, what they call the no man's land of the NBA because you're, you're missing out on good picks or you're, you're generally going to get bombed out in the first round of the playoffs. Um, so I wanted a fresh start and, you know, I, I asked for a trade. It was a lockout year. I asked for a trade, in, I think, around around about December. And I just said, look, like, I think it's just mutually, like, respectfully, let's just move on from each other. Um, I think the, the Bucks did a lot of great things for me and I did good things for them. And it just wasn't working. I thought, you know, we had a good year a couple of years before that. And um, for some reason, we, we went and made a bunch of – trades and free agent moves from a core group that was starting to get good and it pissed me off because I was like, we finally had some consistency about our squad. We had some good players. I let a couple of them walk and then brought in some other guys. It just didn't work out. Uh, so I wanted out and they were like, we're not going to trade you. We're not going to get equal value back for 
a you know quality big man, blah blah blah. And then I broke my ankle like a month later, and the GM, the coach on the hot seat, and then that's how the trade ended up happening because I was out for the season anyway. And I got to Golden State. I, I was just you know the beauty of the Bay Area for me. Like I was in the, I was in the Midwest, so everything's flat as a pancake. Mm-hmm. Um, it's snowy, it's cold. Um, I love the people there, like blue collar town. I love the mentality of people there, very family and very friendly. But it's it's not the most beautiful city. Um, so then when I got to go, you know, San Francisco, landed in, landed in the Bay Area, and it's like wow, mountains, hills, the sun's out, there's the ocean, and it was just a beautiful place. So even though we weren't good at that point off the court, I was really happy. And then as we started to progress into becoming better and better, it all just fit in well, and it was probably. Almost the most enjoyable time of my NBA career. You heard the rumors. I don't believe them, but they sometimes they'll pop up that they almost traded Steph Curry for you. No, they, they did. You, you sure? That's that was part the of reason the reason why I'm sure is because the people, the person, uh, I'm not going to name who they were, that oversees all the medicals had both the medicals on their uh, on their desk. Mm-hmm. Um, Steph and so, Monte Ellis. Mm-hmm. Wow, yeah, both of them were on there, and I believe it was the Bucks that uh, that said. They don't even trust Steph's ankles. Let's go with Monte. More body of work. We know he's going to stay healthy. Um, I know for a fact because I know, I know the person that, that went over those charts while I was doing my rehab with my ankle. Um, so That's amazing. I'm 99.9% sure that, that it was, yeah, both those files were on because she, you know, she read, she read about him. So. You could have been traded for Steph Curry. That's good, good no, and bad. Crazy, but... <laughs> That's good and People bad. Are, People were mad at Golden State because I signed that that three year thirty six, and at one point I was making more than Steph because yes. they they uh he signed that sweetheart deal because his ankles were bad, and I was getting shit for that. I was like, oh man, but um, a lot yeah, of people be, were making more than Steph back then. By the way, a lot of people. Yeah, it would be interesting if that happened. Um, but they, I, I think, what people are they could have traded, uh, gotten nothing back from Monte, but I think that move had to be made because you had to get. You know, I feel like no disrespect to Monte, but he was very, very ball dominant. From what I understood, is that he, you know, there was a bit of a rivalry in that, in that locker room between him and Steph at times. Um, not from Steph's side, but more from Monte's side. Like he felt like Steph was, you know, going to be the young guy trying to take his spot as the number one option. So moving Monte, even if you got nothing back, freed up Steph so much to just be Steph, and that's what people don't understand. If you still had Monte there and, and, and even got me. With Monte, I don't think it works as well or even works at all because you've two ball-dominant guys, right? Whereas Steph's not going to be, you know, in your face to Monte like I need my touches, but Monte was kind of that boisterous, kind of had been through the, the ups and downs of the Warriors. So that, that was the other interesting thing with it. And they had Clay. Like, you know, you just put Clay right in that spot too. It just made so much sense logically, uh, every part of that deal. But you got me bug with that one. Like, I, I've been knocking down the rumor that it was Steph involved, but I, I knew his name had come up. I didn't think it gotten that far, but you know more than me. If you're looking at the medicals and you're talking to people who are that, that I'm going to absolutely defer to Andrew Bogan on this one. Fascinating, fascinating. These uh, tales from the old, the beginning of the Warriors dynasty. Andrew, I will ask you a version of the question at the end of this. I ask everybody, I have asked you before. I'll ask you this time. What's your favorite TV show right now? Right now, oh, right now, or all uh, time, whatever. Yeah, just name me a TV show. All time. I mean, I've got many all time. There's a few Australian ones, so I won't mention those because I don't know. You got any? You got any listeners from Australia? Uh, I'm sure we will for this one. Absolutely. <laughs> Come on now. Um, you draw I them mean, in. I mean, Seinfeld is a great show. Yep. Um, That's your kind of humor too, right? They kind of yeah, dry, just like yeah. dry humor. Um, very, very good. 
Um, I actually do want Mr. Mercedes right now on Netflix, which isn't too bad. Um, That's Stephen, Stephen King, right? King, yeah, typical Stephen King, though. Very gory, very gruesome. Um, that's not too bad. Probably not the best to watch before bed, though, I can tell you. Yeah, nothing is Stephen King. Is. Nothing my wife's had a few nightmares. Um, Yellowstone. Yeah, okay. big fan. Big Great. fan of Yellowstone, waiting for the new season of that to come out. Um, and Gangs of London's actually quite good. So I think the next season's out next month. So they're kind of my rotation right now. Fantastic. Well, Andrew, uh, as always, good to talk to you. We always like checking in with you. Always like talking to you. Uh, appreciate the memories and the conversation and, and, and the analysis of what's going on now. As always, thank you so much, Andrew. No worries. Thanks for having me. I wish show for today.